Where's the other laptop? The other laptop. Good evening, good evening. You're most welcome. Uh, we apologize for the delay because of technical issues. We are sorting them out so that we can uh, continue to, to do the program as we had intended. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. Share the video. 
so that uh, we can have a few pe more people join us. to have you the Lord bless you I want to cover a few topics in the next few months in the biblical uh, Bible doctrines, Bible doctrines that really are fundamental and foundational to our Christian work. And today I will start with uh, the doctrine of God. And the question we ask today is, does God exist? That's what we'll be looking at today. We thank you. Hallelujah. I think we will start with a, a word of prayer. Then I will read a scripture. And I will, then I will discuss a few points about uh, the question that we've been asking. Does God exist? Uh, you see, if, if, if we're not sure how we can answer that question, then our faith becomes very narrow. Our prayers become just a religious practice because if you don't believe God exists, then who will you be praying to? Uh, and if you're not convinced in your minds that God exists, even your prayer seems like uh, just an exercise in futility because if God exists, then you have the confidence to ask him what you need to ask and you believe he will answer because you know he exists. So let us say a word of prayer and then we will delve into the issues for today. I have a few notes I've written here that will not take that long. But uh, we will go slowly so that we can all have uh, a proper understanding. It's a study I'm going through uh, so that I'm able to speak about it. And uh, I'm able to discuss with people who don't believe in God or the Bible or anything else, like atheists and all that, so, so that we have a proper discussion. Uh, let us say a prayer, then I will read a scripture. Everlasting Father, King of glory, we exalt you, we lift your name on high, we bless you because you are good and because you are God and you alone deserve all praise deserve all worship, deserve all honor, and you deserve our very lives because we all originate from you. We thank you because you have given us pointers all over in the Bible, in the natural life, uh, and even in our own instincts that tell us truly there is God, he exists, and he is in heaven. So this evening we invite you to be part of this program, to speak to us, to encourage us, to expose yourself to us because we may not understand you with our infinite mind. 
because you are incomprehensible. And therefore, Father, by your Holy Spirit, show us who you are, what you are, how you are, and everything we need to understand while we are on this side of heaven. Encourage everyone who is watching, speak to their lives so that they may know for sure and they can live boldly and they can speak boldly and they can pray boldly because they know they can approach your throne and you are able to do all that you need to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to read a scripture from uh, Hebrews chapter 11. I want to read verse 6 that says, But without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. What the Bible is saying here is that for whoever comes to the Lord must first believe that God exists and that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Therefore, if you approach God, you must approach him from a point of believing that he truly exists. So does God exist? I would answer it simply this way. The existence of God cannot be proved or disapproved. The Bible says that we must accept by faith the fact that God exists. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists. And that he rewards those who honestly seek him. That is Hebrews 11 verse 6. If God so desired, he could simply appear and prove to the whole world that he exists. But if he did that, there would be no need for faith. I believe you, you, you agree with me that if God appeared in person and spoke to us in person, then we would not need faith to believe. Jesus, speaking after Thomas believed in him when he saw him, said, Blessed are they that believe without seeing. So for us who have never seen God, but believe he exists, we are blessed. And that is in John chapter 20 verse, uh, uh, chapter 20, verse 29. That does not mean, however, that there is no evidence of God's existence. The Bible states, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky proclaims the works of his hand. And day after day, they pour forth speech, night after night. They display the knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Any tribe can hear the display of heavens and earth. Therefore, nobody can say they have not seen an evidence of who God is. Even for those people who have no Bibles, the heaven still declares the glory of God. So that's number one. Therefore, creation tells us that God exists. Because when you look at creation, you see the work of an intelligent creator who put everything in order. 
I know there are many people who have different theories who say it was a big bang theory, uh, that there was an explosion one time in the space and everything fell into where it is and then evolved to what it is today. If that be the truth, then we should see the world having haphazard patterns in creation. But the fact that we see a master designer, a master creator, a sculptor who has designed how a tree should look from beginning to the end, the leaves, the branches, the stem and the roots, different colors in flowers, leaves are green, but each tree has its own color. There are trees that have purple, maroon leaves and others different colors of, of uh, uh, flowers. That tells us that there was a designer, an artist who thought and who created and who put into existence those things. The other thing we see from creation is that these things have life. How can an explosion produce life? A source of life must be life itself so that when he determines what will live, then he shares his life in those things he has created. Everything that is living from animals to humans to uh, invisible beings here on earth and in outer space and what, wherever else they exist, uh, including the trees, the flowers and grass and everything. They received their life from creator of life, who is life himself. Therefore, we can see that there is a superior being that started the whole thing. We better hear the voice of creation. Psalms 19 verse 1 to 4 is the one that talks about the heavens declaring, the skies proclaiming. Looking at the stars, understanding the vastness of universe, observing the wonders of nature, seeing the beauty of sunset, all these things point to a creator God. If this were not enough, there is also evidence of God in our, heart, in our own hearts. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 tells us, he has set eternity in the hearts of men. Deep within us is the recognition that there is something beyond life and someone beyond this world. We can deny this knowledge intellectually, but God's presence in us and all around us is still obvious. Despite this, the Bible warns, that some will still deny God's existence. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Psalms 14 verse 1. Since the vast majority of people throughout history, in all cultures, in all civilizations, and on all continents believe in existence of some kind of God, there must be something or someone causing this belief. If you look at the tribes in, in, in the country of Kenya, they believe in a God who created. The stories may differ, but they believe in a supreme being that started it all. I don't think that is an idea that just fell from nowhere to all the people in this area 
and other parts of the world that cause them to believe that there is God or some sort of God somewhere who started it all. I know many of you have heard about the, 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 the story with, with, the, with the Kikuyus who believe that there was God who created a man and a woman called Kikuyu and Mumbi and they had nine daughters and generations of all the peoples of the Mount Kenya came from them. We have heard the stories of the Maasai who believe they were created by God, they were sent on earth and they came with their cattle. These things were not taught to them. They believed in them without being told. That tells you that there is God who is controlling how people go. You see, God knew the beginning, from uh, the end from the beginning. Therefore, he knew one day that God, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit will be preached. So he had to put a sense in human beings to know that there is a God that exists somewhere so that when it is preached, it's not strange to them. Since the vast majority throughout history, in all culture, in all civilization, and in all continents believe in existence of some kind of God, therefore we know this thing is according to what God said, that he will write the law into the hearts of men. So it is written in the hearts of men to know there is God. Therefore, when the law comes to say that you should not have any other God before God, then it becomes easy for you to believe in it. And I believe all of us sense it. Even the ones who deny that there is no God, they deny because they feel that push in their heart, convicting them and causing them to feel guilty. And therefore, they decide it is easy to dismiss the whole story and look at an excuse of why they believe God does not exist. In addition, to the Bible arguments for God existent, there is logical argument. First, there is ontological argument. The most popular form of ontological argument uses the concept of God to prove God's existence. It begins with the definition of God as a being than we done which no greater can be conceived. It is then argued that to exist is greater than not to exist. And therefore, the greatest uh, conceivable being must exist. If God did not exist, then God would not be greater, yeah, the greatest conceivable being. And that would contradict the very definition of who God is. Second argument is a teleological argument. The teleological argument states that since the universe displays such an amazing design, there must have been a divine designer, for example, if the earth was significantly closer or farther away from the sun, it would not be capable to support much of the life currently it does. If the elements, 
if the elements in our atmosphere were even a few percentages points different, nearly every living thing on earth would die. Therefore, you can see that there is a God who calculated distance, calculated heat, calculated the pressure, calculated uh, all the things that work together to hold life on the planet. The planets don't meet, don't accidentally hit each other. They do not overlap. They do not uh, cause a, a jam in the space because everything has been calculated. And the Bible goes ahead to say that he holds everything together in their orbits. Third logical argument of for God existed is called cosmological argument. Every effect must have a cause. If you see something moving, there is a vacuum that has been created and therefore something else is coming to occupy the same space. There is no vacuum in the creation of God. Therefore, when you see life on earth, it means it has come from somewhere. It is coming to occupy something. And that's how the whole universe exist together. And that's why when it has not moved, nothing moves. It, it will never come to a place where it collapses, it hits uh, against one another, it bumps off the orbit until that very one day what, when the Bible talks about the earth and the heavens will be folded and they will be cast into the lake of fire. That will become the end of what we know today. However, another new heaven and a new earth will come. And we believe because the same God who created the first one is able to create the second one. This universe and everything in it is, in, in it is an effect. There must be something that causes everything to come to existence. Ultimately, there must be something and cause in order to cause everything else to come into existence. That uncaused is God. We believe God was not created. God did not begin to exist. He was always existing. He is self-existent. He is the essence of existence. He is the beginning of existence. He is the end of existence. There is nothing outside God. He encompasses everything in him. Despite all this, the Bible tells us that people will reject the clear, undeniable knowledge of God and believe a lie instead. Romans 1.25 declares, They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. The fact that human beings feel a need to worship something, either worship money, worship power, worship work, worship family, something that they must give their full attention shows you there is God and the heart of man yearns to worship him. 
But when he is misguided, then he substitutes God for anything else. The problem with serving other things is the fact that you will never get satisfied. God is the only one who can satisfy the yearnings, the hunger, the desires of man. If you find something else to replace God, you will always be running after it, chasing it, trying to get more of it because you're the God-shaped hole in your heart can only be filled with, by God, nothing else. When you find God, then you come to a place of rest. You do not chase to find more of God. You find God and he's enough for you. Romans 1.20 says that uh, the Bible also pro uh, proclaims that people are without cause for not believing in God. For since the creation of the world's invisible quality, his eternal world's God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. If you deny God, you must deny the existence of anything, including yourself. But since you cannot deny the existence of everything, including yourself, that tells you there must be God who is existing. People claim to reject God, God's existence because it is not scientific or because there is no proof. The true reason is that once they admit that there is a God, they also realize that they are responsible to God and indeed of forgiveness from him. Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23. And they state like this, Romans 23.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the word glory there means the standard, the requirement of God. No one can satisfy the requirement of God. None, all have sinned and fallen short. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So when you admit that God exists, then you must be ready to admit that God is the judge of everything because he created it, that you owe him everything, and that you need his forgiveness. Without that, then your believing is not full. That is why many, many of those who deny the existence of God cling strongly to the theory of naturalistic evolu evolution, that things 
evolved and are continuing to evolve to a different uh, state and we won't know how far it will go. My question would be, if man, for, ex for instance, evolved from uh, a primate and became humans, why don't we see interstates of the evolution, some, that some people are more human, others are less human, and others are animals, and others are less than animals. Because according to evolution, is that one cell of life evolved into many different things that are existing today. We are all seemingly in one state. I've never seen anything different. It gives them an alternative to believe, uh, to believing in a creator God. God exists and ultimately everyone knows that he exists. The very fact that some, some attempt to so aggressively disapprove his existence is in fact an argument for his existence. You cannot argue for something that does not exist to prove that it does not exist. You can only try to prove something that exists does not exist. There's no argument today that a dinosaur does not exist today. And I don't need to prove it doesn't exist today. But if I'm struggling so much to prove it doesn't exist, chances are it exists. How do we know God exists? As Christians, we know God exists because we speak to him every day. We do not arguably hear him speaking to us, but we sense his presence, we feel his leading, we know his love, we desire his grace. Things have occurred in our lives that have no possible explanation other than God. God has so miraculously served us and changed our lives that we cannot help but acknowledge and praise his existence. None of these arguments can persuade anyone who refuses to acknowledge what is already obvious. In the end, God's existence must be accepted by faith according to Hebrews Chapter 11, verse 6 that we read. Faith in God is not a blind leap into the darkness. It is safe step into a well-lit room where the vast majority of people are already standing in. How we explain the existence of God is when we see the miraculous things God does, when you pray, when you believe, and when you ask. There are people who are bound by alcoholism and drugs. There are people who were bound in sicknesses that doctors could not unravel. Yet, by another human being praying and asking God, something that could not be done happened. 
that explains the existence of God. You can't speak to the, an empty space and expect an answer. And deep down in the heart of man, everyone knows that there is some sort of belief that God exists. And that's why when you trip and fall, the first name you call is God or Jesus. When you, you're pushed to the corner between a rock and a hard place, you look up and begin to speak to empty space. I believe in your heart of hearts, you know you're not speaking to an empty space. You're speaking to someone beyond human who can help you in your situation. Is it not amazing that even people who do wrong things seemingly pray to ask God to help them succeed in whatever they are going to do? I've heard a record of thieves saying before their job they pray and believe and pray for escape and they go and do the work. I'm, I'm not sure that God answers that kind of prayer but the fact that they would take time to kneel down and to pray in their heart of heart even though they do not believe in God in the way Christians do and receiving the gift of eternal life. They believe in a God whose power transcends anything any human mind can understand. So in conclusion, I want to ask you as a Christian to fully convince yourself about God's existence. And that will change your prayer life. That will change your outlook on life that will change your response to God that will change your response to the recommendations of God's way of getting eternal life and you will not find shortcuts and you will not try to cut corners to get what you want I believe today's lesson has shared a few pointers this is one in a series of four in uh, teaching about the existence of God and in God and in what God wants to do. The Lord bless you. The Lord increase you. The Lord do you good. May he show himself to you in a way that only you will understand it was God who visited you. May he visit every home that is watching and that will watch even later. For the glory and honor of his name. Let us say a word of prayer. Heavenly Father we thank you. Because we know. We believe. We accept. We receive the fact that you exist. And you do not exist like we exist. You exist as existent itself. So that we can have our existence in you. Because your word says. In you we live. In you we move. And in you we have our being. We cannot have a being in one who is equal to us. Therefore, we thank you because you're supreme. You are above. You are almighty. You're the most high God. There is no other God. All the other gods that people worship 
are the works of men, are idols made by men, are either other humans being worshipped, but they hear not, they answer not, they cannot do the things you do because you exist outside time, outside life, outside everything. You're not controlled by anything. You are sufficient all by yourself. And for that, we thank you. We thank you that you've chosen to make us your children. You've chosen to make us your friends. You've chosen to make us your servants. You've chosen to work with us. We are so little. We are so minute. We are so infinite. We are so little to be compared to you, mighty God, our Father. For that, we glorify you. We exalt you. I pray for everyone who has watched, listened, and who will come later to watch this uh, episode. Lord, I pray that you will speak to them, that you will see them through everything they are going through right now. The Father, you will help them even as we await on you through this pandemic of coronavirus. Our hope is built on nothing less except you and you alone. You are the rock of our salvation. You are the rock of our lives. We thank you and we honor you. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed and believed. Amen. I want to take a time to thank everyone who has joined us this evening for your time. It is not because you didn't have other things you could do. It's because you have chosen to put them aside so that you can watch this broadcast. For that, we are grateful. We shall be continuing on part two of existence of God on Thursday around 7 p.m. in the evening. Same time, same channel, same place. Let us meet there. And meanwhile, let us keep on experiencing God, learning who God is. Walk around and look at the nature. Look at what God has created. Look at other people around your life. And see them moving and you know that God really exists. God bless you and good evening. See you on Thursday. Amen. <laughs>